0: Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing another message today out of the book of Revelation. And the context for today, if you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to get your copy of the Bible and open it up and, and follow along with me. And we'll go to Revelation chapter 21. The context is verses 9 through 11. That's verses 9, 10, and 11. And I want to read those for you. If we can, that way we can establish some background and and just uh, lay out where we're going with this. Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 11. Verse 9, the Word of God reads, And one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. Well, I think you can tell by this, uh, right, this reading here that this is a, we're getting a little easier to understand what heaven is looking like. So I've entitled the message today, Heaven and the Glory of God. You see, it's almost inconceivable for us to think about what he's saying in relation to maybe formulating a picture of what this looks like. It's just so different. And I think that's what John was up against, just how to communicate and how to write down, and then for us, how to visualize or think about what he's actually saying. I know we've talked about this as we've looked at Ezekiel describing heaven and what he saw in Ezekiel chapter 1. You can read Ezekiel chapter 1 ten times, and you're still not sure what he saw, or you can't imagine what he saw. It's inconceivable to understand the way he saw things and what he was actually looking at. But John here, it gets a little easier, so I want you to, to notice a few things first. But as we get into this, I want you to notice that it's a very general look at uh, at heaven. It's uh, a general appearance is given. In fact, the general appearance is given in verses, uh, really verses 1 through 8. And we've already looked at those. But for the most part, I want you to think about this. Uh, before we get totally into the text, just an introductory note. And that is that uh, Jesus made a promise to those... Uh, just before the cross, just before the crucifixion, when he said in John chapter 14, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also." Now, I want you to know, this is that place. This is the place that's being described for us. Uh, John is looking ahead to this and is able to see this uh, by way of narrative. Uh, in, 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 in the, in, by the way, he wrote the Gospel of John late. It's one of the later written Gospels. But he, it's very, very conceivable, very possible. I know Donald Gray Barnhouse brings this out, that... When John wrote the Gospel of John, he had already written the Book of Revelation. Now I know that sometimes the dates on the books that they give you in the Bibles aren't always uh, accurate as far as exact time. But like in mine, it says that the John John was written, or the the Book of Revelation was was, was written in the nineties. And then the Gospel of John, it says between 85 and 90. But it's very possible that when John set out to write the Gospel, he had already seen heaven. He had already written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. He had already written and sent this message to the churches. And so John was being, uh, was, when he was writing the Gospel of John, was coming out kind of late. And when he wrote my father's house description in John 14, he's already seen it. What an amazing thing to think that John's already seen it. How could he even contain himself to write about what he was telling us and what he had already seen? He says the Father's house is really the new Jerusalem because that's the abode of God. That's where God will live with his people forever. Well, he understood that. If he did see revelation, it was taken up into heaven first before he wrote the gospel I can't imagine what his mind was going through as he's writing in John chapter 14 the words of Jesus telling them when John... Before all of this, way back in the, in the late 30s and early... Uh, yeah, late 30s, uh, that Jesus was saying, In my Father's house are many mansions and describing this place. And so John is already seeing this place. Uh, In fact, you look at what he says in verse 3 of chapter 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And so that's describing the city. That's the city where we're going to live. That's the city where God dwells. There's no temple in it. And we shall uh, see over in verse 22 of the next chapter, or verse 21. I mean, chapter 21, verse 22 Uh, being described like this. We're going to find that when he starts getting into the details of this, he's going to mention the temple. So this is the house where God dwells. This is the place of the abode, and that's where we will live with him. So when you go back and you read the gospel in John chapter 14, when he says this, it's a promise that what we see in Revelation is really going to happen So here, in fact, is the Father's house being described. What was promised in John 14 is described here in Revelation 21 as actually happening right in front of John in order to write it in the book of Revelation so that we might be able to read it and to be blessed. The place that the Lord has been preparing for his saints, for his children, Now comes down to the eternal state. Descending out of heaven of heavens into the new heaven and earth is being described in chapter 21, verse 1. And here it is described for us. Remember now, this is the capital city being described. And so I know that, see, that's what's hard for us to understand. But it is being described for us. In fact, look at what it says in chapter 21, verse 1. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 2 I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And so now he's going to explain just a little bit more about this. And so in John 14. We're given the promise of heaven repeatedly. In the New Testament, we are told that believers, we're citizens of heaven. We're waiting to get to heaven where our Father is our Savior. Our dwelling is there. Our names are written there. Where our loved ones have been, if they've already gone, if I've already passed, are there. And so this is what is being described for us. It ought to be a real comfort to believers just to be able to see this and to read this. And to understand this is our destiny. This is where we're going. And the Lord knows that we have a desire to know something about it. So he's giving it to us. Remember now, everything we know about God, he gives us. He tells us. It's written in his word. So this is the description, again I say, of the father's house where he is preparing a dwelling for us. It's absolutely amazing to be able to read this. It's like we ought to be at, when we open the Bible and see this, we ought to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for the description here, for the encouragement here. Because when you don't know where you're going, man, that, that makes death scary. It makes getting sick scary. So this is our assurance that this is going to really happen. And by, by the time, just a reminder, we get to chapter 21, by the time we're reading this in, chapter, in the Revelation, Everything has already passed. The rapture has happened. Tribulations happened. Uh, the trib- uh, the, uh, the uh, all this involved with the judgments have all happened. Uh, the battle of Armageddon has happened. Uh, the millennial reign and kingdom has happened. The kingdom has already ended, and heaven and uh, earth and heaven were all destroyed. And then we come in. The, even the great white throne has already happened. So the death have already been sent to uh, Hades, hell. And uh, now we're in chapter 21, heaven and earth being new. So, we've seen the vision of of, of all that John is taking us and carrying us along with so that we can understand this. Now, the first eight verses of chapter 21 really are an introduction for us to what's going to happen in verses 9 and following in chapter 21. So, you got the first eight verses basically and generally describing it. So, really, number one on the outline is the appearance. The appearance of heaven is general. And that's verses one through eight, in which we've already looked at. So, we're not going to take a lot of time there. But the introduction is we were given a glimpse of this capital city. Then we already just read it to you in verse two. Uh, He makes some uh, descriptions there that are a little bit confusing, and that's because he describes a city. In verse 2, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. So he's going to pick up that theme again, and we're going to be able to look at that. Uh, and so we, 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 because it's a capital city of our eternity, it becomes the focal point or the main attraction of heaven. And I think that's what we see here. In verse 9, we, we actually see that beginning to take place. Look at verse 9, and we'll see what would be number 2 on the outline, which is an angel. Look at what verse 9 says. It says, And one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. So he's identifying just generally who this angel is. He doesn't give a name. But he does recognize the angel as having seen him before, meaning he's already recognized him as as being one of the ones involved in the pronouncement of judgments and even the specific judgments of the bold judgments, which tells us something about angels, that they are not all exactly alike. When you see one, you've seen them all necessarily. There may be some of them like that. But this angel stands out. He can identify him. He is identifiably different than, say, some of the other angels because he identifies him as one of the seven who had the seven bowls of wrath. So that may not mean anything to us except that we meet an angel here. And, of course, angels have been a very significant part of the pronouncement of judgment and all that is happening in the book of, 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 book of Revelation. So this judgment angel is being described for us just very generally as one he's already seen, one he's already has had a dealing with as far as listening to him. and so in chapter 15 we won't go back into detail of it, but in chapter fifteen those judgments <coughs> excuse me were introduced seven angels who had seven plagues which are the last which which are the last of the judgments. Seven angels appear and they have seven plagues. Again, it says which are the last. Down in verse 7 of chapter 15, those seven angels had seven golden bowls full of wrath, and it describes that. And so what John's doing <coughs> Excuse me, is he's taking us back actually to that. So, so here we meet one of them. So here we meet one of them. Back to verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues One of those angels uh, introduced different things, and another one introduced different things. We saw one introduce the harlot, the Babylon, the whore of Babylon. So these angels are fulfilling several functions. So those angels appear to John, it says, coming, and they speak with him, saying, and eventually those angels were recognizable, like I've said. He knew who he had already seen, and so he's identifying that angel for us, Uh, And the angel says, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now, that's an interesting way to introduce us, because look at what it says in this actual one little brief sentence. Come here, I will show you the bride. And you stop right there and you think, wow, well, who's the bride? Well, the bride is the church, uh, the wife of the Lamb. That's who the bride actually is. And so you look at this and you think, wow, here comes the bride. We're going to see the bride in full uh, radiance and glory at this time. We haven't even hardly talked about the bride since, since the bride wasn't a part of uh, of any of the, the writing that we've seen other than Revelation chapter 20, uh, mentioned once in Revelation chapter 21, or chapter 20 and also in chapter 19. Here, the formerly used angel is used in judgment, showing John and a blessing, and the angel describes the city interestingly as the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now, I know when I when I first read this, I know when I first read it, I don't even remember when the first time I read it, but I noticed when I was starting to take notes on it here just a day or so uh, before Christmas on this particular section, again, sometimes I do this two or three times, just to see if I pick up anything different. But it seems strange to me, uh, a way to describe a city. You go back to verse 2 of this same chapter, and he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Well, why is it called a city if it's also a bride? In other words, he says it's a bride. He says, come here, I will show you the bride the wife of the Lamb, and then he says in verse... Well, look how he does it. Look at verse 10. He carried me away in into the into Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city. Well, why is it a city, and why is it a bride? Well, you take a look at that, and it becomes a very interesting thing for us to look at. Uh, the city and a The bride. And I think the reason it's called a city and the reason it's called a bride is because, uh, as one writer, well, actually two different writers says almost the same thing. Uh, John MacArthur says, because it draws its character from its occupants. Those who now occupy the city are holy, and that's why it's called holy in verse 2. And then it's called the bride because it now the bride has now been enlarged from chapter 20 through chapter 21, actually began in chapter 19, now enlarged the church or the bride to encompass all redeemed of all ages. It's not just the bride of Christ that we saw in the New Testament. It is that, but it's now more than that. So when you go back to chapter 19, verse 7 to 9, and you talk about the bride there, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, of course, the bride is the church. That's who the bride is. It's the church. We find that very clearly in Ephesians chapter 5. But as you move along in the unfolding of the eschatological information or the plan, the bride enlarges to encompass all of the redeemed. So it's not just the church anymore. We're looking at all the believers that are going to heaven, are going to live there. Now, ultimately, the bride that was defined as the church widens, even at the time of the marriage supper, we saw in Revelation 8 and 19, and we, we mentioned that. Old Testament saints were invited as guests, and when the final great feast celebration occurs, which we could call or make equal to the millennial kingdom, the Old Testament saints are, are mixed in with there as well as the New Testament saints. Then the marriage is consummated in eternity, and all the saints make up the bride, and the bride then characterizes this city because its occupants are the redeemed joined together in the new Jerusalem, all living in the Father's house as the bride of God. That's what what we're all going to be. So if you will, all the included in the consummation of God's saving purpose. So the city is like a bride in verse 2, because the people are forever united to God and to the Lamb." So it takes on the character of us, us as the inhabitants of this new city. And so when you think about that, in fact, I want you to think about that as we begin to describe this, because that's where we will be at the point of when this will actually happen in eternity, You can tell it hadn't happened now because we're still in our physical bodies. In fact, that's part of the general uh, description that he gives us in uh, verses 4 through 8, is that the physical on earth is going to be so different when we get to heaven. And so the angel says to John, Come here, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He's going to get a personal tour of the capital city of eternity. And verse 10 says, and he carried me away in the Spirit. Now, John was already in the Spirit. So that's an interesting thing to look at. He carried him away, further away to another place. And what does that mean? Well, he went on, I I think the best way to put it is uh, uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse and James Montgomery Boyce both mentioned this, and then I'm seeing it again in in, uh, John MacArthur, so he probably read the same people I did, which says... He's taking a spiritual journey. John was on the Isle of Patmos at the time he received all of this. Remember, he was sitting there. He's a prisoner there. Uh, Hadn't written anything. I don't even think he had written the gospel yet. And indeed, it is the rock in the middle of the Mediterranean. That's where the uh, Patmos was. But he was transported spiritually by means of a vision. And we really don't know what that means other than it was not a dream, it was a spiritual reality for him, perhaps very much like the Apostle Paul had happened to him when he was called up into the third heaven. And so it says here in verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. A true spiritual journey to see what human eyes could never see. We would never be able to see this, in our physical form. And if they did, we would not be able to talk about it, which is what I think Paul saw. I think Paul saw this. I think he saw this, and he wasn't permitted to talk about it. It wasn't his place. God had not a purpose for him to do it. He's purposed John to do it, not Paul. And so he took him to a high mountain. In other words, he just lifted him up to a place where he could get the full view of this and I guess the idea is that the angel had this spot chosen to give him uh, as close a look and as wide a look and to view it, in order to view all of this. Because, folks, it is huge. It is a very large place. And to get as close to the celestial city uh, and see it suspended in the heavens and the new earth as possible, So when he got him in the vision way up on the great high mountain, it says, He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, the city that Hebrews talks about, a foundation or a city where where the builder and maker was God. And he says again, it was coming down out of heaven from God. And that's a phrase that we saw in Revelation 21, verse 2. It says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He sees that coming down from heaven from God. And so, what a description. It's coming down out of heaven from God. This is obviously repeated again again in, in verse 2 we saw it, and then it's two other times. It's to remind us that it's not creation of heaven here. It is simply the descent of what already existed from eternity past. But it's what is being... Uh, it's what is being promised to us from John chapter 14. So John notes again that it's coming down from God out of heaven. It is of a divine origin built by God from all eternity and prepared to descend onto the new heaven and the new earth. It's like, how do you visualize that? Well, you can't. You can't really visualize that. And so these are. this is just a general look. Uh, It's just a general description. Verse 11, again, we're looking at a general appearance. Remember, it's just a general appearance. It says, having the glory, in verse 11 of Revelation 21, having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone. So you don't really have much in these three sections of the appearance or of what you're seeing until you get to verse 11. And it says, having the glory of God. Now, that is the most distinguishing characteristic of the capital city of eternity. In fact, we've already said the most important thing about heaven is not the streets of gold. It's not all that we're going to see. It's God is there. God is there. And so here it's talking about this city in general appearance has the glory of God in it. Well, what would that be? What could he possibly be telling us when he says the glory of God? Well, we've already looked at this. Uh, two other times here recently, man who is not able to see God and live in the flesh does, is able to see the glory of God when God allows it. His glory is simply his attributes, as one writer puts it. But when God manifests his invisible spiritual attributes, he manifests them as light. And <clears throat> so we've seen this. In fact, we, 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 we're going to make note of a lot of this uh, ma- revelation and manifestation of his glory several more times in the Revelation chapter 21 and 22. God manifests his in, in his invisible spiritual attributes as light. And so we see that throughout the scripture, God has revealed his glory in light. <clears throat> you remember in Revelation, I mean in uh, Genesis, he revealed his glory to Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, remember, we looked at that and called it the Shekinah glory in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. He revealed his and, and then also to Moses, he revealed his to Moses and to the people of Israel in the sky. Uh, even we could see his glory in the, in the uh, pillar of cloud, or the pillar of fire. We saw the glory on the face of Moses, he revealed his glory. He also revealed his glory in the tabernacle with light. Came and coming down and filling the presence of the room. <clears throat> and so we know that he reveals his glory in the temple. When the temple was built in the Holy Land, it was filled with the glory of God, blazing light coming down. And he has done that several times. One of the most remarkable times, I think, is the Mount of Transfiguration. When God revealed his glory up on that mountain with Peter James and John in a blazing light or display of blazing white pure light that we have talked about and so you look at this and you think wow we're th- this is what is being described as the place where we are. we're beyond that. we're inside of all of that city <clears throat> so it's a it's a it's an amazing thing to look at. God has displayed His glory as light numerous times. And like I said, the transfiguration of Jesus was the revealing of the essence of His nature in light. And then finally, here in in the new heaven and the new earth in the capital city, which is the new Jerusalem, as it says here, the holy city, His glory revealed as light will be full and bright. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But... John does tell us that we won't need uh, that they won't need the the temple because of this glory, this light that will be there. He will not; this, they won't need a sun or a moon. That is because the city will have the glory of God illumining it. Now, imagine how bright that is. Its lamp is the Lamb. Both God and the Father and the Lamb are the light of this. It is a blazing white, pure, or as we've seen in the Mount of Transfiguration, a dazzling white light. That's why there's no need for the sun or the moon. You couldn't have them all existing up there. So Isaiah, and what's funny, you know, Isaiah saw this. Isaiah 60 saw this, verse 19. You will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. That's amazing. Isaiah was able to see this just through what God gave him at that time. So the first thing that strikes John as he's taken to this high mountain and looks up and sees the holy city, Jerusalem, is the glory of God just radiating as far as he can see. What a sight that must have been. Look at verse 11. John wants to describe this light for us. He makes this effort to do it. Her brilliance... And I know we don't have too much longer, but I'm going to try to cover some of this. Her brilliance, it says, was like a very costly stone. A very costly stone. And here it becomes hard to refer to what he's talking about because of the word here. It means something in which light is concentrated and from which light radiates. It would be like, I guess you could say, Well, one writer says it's like a light bulb. Something which light exists, is concentrated, and from it, you begin to see the light coming from it. So John sees this city, it's not a light bulb, uh, where light is just pouring out of it. Only it comes not through (coughs) some thin film or plain glass, such as a, a light bulb would, but it comes through what appears to him as a very costly stone. A crystal clear jasper, that is to say the whole city looks like a big stone. Then when you think about a jasper, which I don't really know much about these jewels that he's talking about. In fact, I know nothing except what I read. Understanding uh, that a modern jasper would not be like what he's talking about here. So I don't think that it literally would be a jasper in the way we see jaspers today. Uh, it, the the word is used here uh, to describe for us, and it's not even a transliter- a translation, but it's a transliteration. The word is brought over, and the best way to understand that word is that it is a diamond. When you take the literal translation of the word, which is not it, what, which means the word wasn't actually translated, it is brought it over, and then you try to define that word. It's crystal clear. It is a diamond, and I don't know much about diamonds. I know that I, I bought Carol a couple of diamonds uh, at different points. Uh, we got married, and then a couple of other times I bought diamonds, but I don't really know anything about diamonds. But I do know this: <coughs> that a diamond can be clear or has sp- more, a little bit less clear. And of course, the more clear it gets, the more it costs. But this is talking about a diamond that is a perfect gem, it's perfectly clear. This is precisely what is intended by the little phrase, crystal clear jasper. It is a gem that is flawless, it's like a diamond. Not the light shining on it, but the light shining from it, coming from the inside and refracting its rainbow colors all over the new heavens and the new earth. Now, can you visualize that? Can you imagine what that would be? So the city, John is saying, is like one massive, perfect diamond gem, flashing the reflection of God's glory in infinite light. And we're going to be there. That light is coming from all of the inside where we are. In fact, look how it says it in verse 3. Uh, a loud voice in the tabernacle, from the throne said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them. We're all in there dwelling together. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. That's why the glory is there. Imagine that, one massive, perfect gem. That's what the city looks like. It's a remarkable general appearance. It is like a massive, massive uh, look at at, at this. In in fact, we're going to see just how massive that is when we get a little bit further. In fact, it says in verse 11, it's a stone, crystal clear jasper. Verse 12, it had a great high wall. And so we're going to be able to get into the description of that, but I'm going to hold that because I don't want to get too far to where I can't come back or I can't cover it thoroughly. I don't want to rush through this. But this is our eternity, folks. This is this is where we're this is where we're going to be headed. Uh some of us have loved ones that are already there and, and to think about that's where they are and we're going to join them there in that place is almost more than we can bear. Uh in order to go further than this, we would have to have a spiritual body. We couldn't have physical. So, I hope that encouraged encourage you to read your Bible. Stay with it. Stay in the book of Revelation. We don't have much more, and we'll be finishing this book. And uh, it, what a tremendous book it is. And so what a privilege it is that God has allowed us a glimpse into heaven today. Thank you again for joining me.